0: Hey, welcome back to Inside Four Walls, and we have a continuation of the Twitter files. Government had full access. Elon Musk makes bombshell claim that U.S. government could access Twitter's users' private messages. Twitter owner and CEO Elon Musk has claimed in a new interview how the U.S. government had complete access to users' private messages on Twitter. Musk stated how he was surprised when he learned of the revelation. Musk then goes one step further and admits how government agencies had full access to everything that was happening on Twitter, which is a major violation against multiple constitutional rights. The immediate one coming to mind is your right against unlawful search and seizure. Article by James Gordon. Whoa, all the way from Gotham City. Alrighty. This article was published on the 17th. Twitter CEO Elon Musk has claimed the U.S. government had access to users' private messages on Twitter. In a wide ranging interview with Fox News' Tucker Carlson, set to broadcast on Monday and Tuesday night, Musk made it clear, uh, made the startling claims, noting how he was shocked to learn the gov- that the government had full access to private communications on the platform the billionaire tycoon told carlson how unaware of the fact uh, how unaware of the fact until he joined the company and expressed surprise at the degree to which government agencies were able to monitor social media quote the degree to which government agencies effectively had full access to everything going that was going on on twitter blew my mind musk said i was not aware Of that.
1: The degree to which uh, various government agencies had effectively had full access to everything that was going on on Twitter uh, blew my mind. Um, I was not aware of that. Would that include people's DMs? Uh, Yes.
0: Moving on. Would that include people's DMs, Carlson? probed. Yes, Musk replied. The the extensive interview with Carlson is set to air over the next two nights. Musk's admission that the agencies had full access to everything happening on Twitter including direct messages is likely to raise concerns among users who may have assumed that their private conversations were entirely private and secure. Don't know why you would ever do that. While it is unclear how long the government had such access, Musk's comments suggest the situation is far more widespread than many may have considered. In addition to discussing government surveillance on social media, Musk also expressed concerns about the, da- about the dangers of artificial intelligence. In an alarmist view, it's bold of you to say alarmist, Musk stated that he believes AI has the potential to cause the downfall of civilization. Quote, AI is more dangerous than say, mismanaged aircraft design or production maintenance, or bad car production, in the same sense that it has the potential, however small one may, re- uh, however small one may regard that probability, but it is non-trivial. It has the potential for ci- uh, uh, civilizational destruction. Musk said.
1: AI is more dangerous than, say, mismanaged uh, aircraft design or production maintenance or, or, or b- bad car production uh, in the sense that it is, it has the potential, uh, however small one may regard that probability, but it is non trivial. It has the potential of civilizational destruction.
0: Last week, in another interview with the BBC, Musk, a self-confessed workaholic confirmed he sometimes sleeps on a sofa in a library in Twitter's San Francisco headquarters. The Tesla and SpaceX boss was criticized for cutting half the company's full-time staff in one week, ending remote working and setting up ultimatum for remaining staff to agree to longer, more intense working patterns or leave yeah do your fucking job or hit the fucking bricks it's that simple and a lot of people working from home weren't working they were sitting on their ass doing absolutely fuck all let's hop over here just for some fun play this play this welcome it's
2: kinda... to a day in my life as a twitter employee this so this past yeah. week went to SF for the first time at a twitter office badged in honestly took a moment to just soak everything in what a blessing also started my morning off with an iced matcha from the perch. Then I had a meeting, so quickly scheduled one of these little pod rooms, which were so cool. They're literally noise-canceling. Took my meeting, got ready for a bunch. Look how delicious this food looks. Oh my goodness, I was so overwhelmed. Then made my way down to this log cabin area. I don't know what this is, but it was really cool. I played some food with my friends to kind of unwind a bit. Um, unwind? Tough day. Also I found life. this really <laughs> this cool is my meditation mom. room that I thought- was super neat. Um, I didn't do any yoga, but they have this yoga room if you are a yogi, so also thought that was really cool. Um, had a couple more meetings in the afternoon, had a ton of projects that we needed to knock out. So hi to my teammates. Um <laughs> went to the went to the library to kind of get some more work done. Obviously, had to have our afternoon coffee, so made some espresso, and then before leaving for the day, had some red wine um that's on top went up to the rooftop and just honestly enjoyed the beautiful weather. (laughs) So, awesome trip. Wow. (laughs) Amazing. She did one meeting. That's a six-figure salary, kids. You could be so lucky to have a job that doesn't really exist and you get wine on tap and you get espressos and green matcha tea and you get to go to the meditation room because you got to unwind. Well, they can't afford to give people a year off then because they they clearly don't need them. Yeah.
0: Alright, and something else to keep over here at Forbes, workers are less productive working remotely, at least that's what their bosses think. It's an interesting little article. Dr. Gleb Tripersky. Workers with a full schedule flexibility report 29% higher productivity and 53% greater ability to focus than workers with no ability to shift their schedule according to to a just-announced report from Future Forum. is that a World Economic Forum thing? But do bosses trust employees to be productive when working out of the office? Microsoft released a new study where it found that 85% of leaders say that the shift to hybrid work has made it challenging to have confidence that employees are being productive More, uh, uh, <clears throat> more concretely. 49% of managers think hybrid workers struggle to trust their employees to do their best work. This lack of trust in worker productivity has led to what Microsoft researchers termed productivity paranoia, where leaders fear that loss of productivity due to employees not working even though hours worked, numbers of meetings, and other activity metrics have increased. That data aligns with a new report from Citrix based on a global survey of 900 business leaders and 1,800 knowledge workers. The fuck is that? Those who can do their job remotely, half of all business leaders believe that when employees are working out of sight, they don't work as hard, and 48% of business leaders installed monitoring software on computers of their employees to check their work. No wonder why only 49% of employees say they trust their employer. Well, I mean, yeah, you're gonna want to keep an eye on people, uh, on people, especially if it's a company computer. You're gonna want to keep an eye on what they're doing. The perspective now, if you're taking your shit home and they're spying you at home now, that's why I never took a, a school laptop home with me. The perspective of this traditionalist half of business leader, uh, half of business leaders, align with Elon Musk's demand that all Tesla and SpaceX employees be visible. In the office and to work full time in person, including knowledge workers, that's based on Musk's belief that remi- remi- remote, goddamn, workers are phoning it in and only pretend to work. Musk's demand for improved productivity via full-time office work for knowledge workers is something to which other traditionalist leaders aspire. Indeed, a survey done by Microsoft shows that 50% of the bosses of knowledge workers – god, I hate this phrase – intend to force them into the office by spring 2023 according – oh, shit, we're there – according to future forum survey, the skepticism towards work from home tends to come from older leaders in their 50s and 60s. Leaders under 50 are much more accepting of hybrid and remote work and focus on how to do it well. Yeah, and Twitter was going belly up at the time Elon Musk, when he took over the company. The company was not performing very well. And as Elon Musk said himself, when you aren't pushing the government's narratives or running a propaganda device, you don't need thousands of employees. Just kind of seems to make sense. Now, let's jump back over to this article real quick. Actually, because I... Actually, because I read a little bit further, I actually should, just for transparency, read a little bit more into this article. Just so no one thinks I'm dodgy or anything. Is the belief of this traditionalist older half of the business leadership that workers are more productive in the office based on the facts? Not at all. Already before COVID, we had peer reviewed research demonstrating that remote work improved productivity. A NASDAQ listed company. Randomly assigned call center employees to work from home and or the office for nine months. Workers from home resulted in a 13% performance increase due to a combination of fewer sick days and a quieter, more convenient work environment. Those working from home had improved work satisfaction and a 50% lower uh, attrition rate a more recent study with random assignment of programmers, marketing and finance staff found that a hybrid work similarly uh work simil- uh, similarly to remote work reduces attrition by 35% and resulted in 8% of uh, 8% more code written yeah but not all jobs are this cushy are they these are very desk, paper-pusher jobs. Now, there's a lot of work with Elon, with uh, Twitter that you can and can't do from home. same thing with Tesla, uh, Tesla and SpaceX. There's tons of, like, on-the-ground, hands-on stuff that have to be done. Both design and, you know, I don't know all the details to it. I've watched a Lex Friedman interview with him before. <laughs> now, uh, again... I want to make sure because you see this says that there is a lot of benefits to working from home and working remotely. I'm skeptical of these studies. I'm skeptical of this claim. If I ran a workplace, I would want all my workers to be in person or to hit the bricks. But hey, run companies is how you wish to run companies. Now, back over here. Last week in another interview with the BBC, Musk, a self-confessed workaholic, read that. Face acts. Admitted to shutting down, uh, no longer intense. pattern to leave. It led to concerns that the platform could struggle to survive with the reduced maintenance team and available engineers. Musk admitted that shutting down one of Twitter's service centers had ended up being quite catastrophic. As a result, the platform, uh, the platform losing a large amount. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. My vision is a little blurry. Let me zoom in on this. Make it a little bit bigger. There we go. Musk admitted shutting down one of Twitter's service centers had ended up being quite catastrophic, as it resulted in the platform losing a large amount of its functionality. He also said the business was now roughly breaking even. Could be profitable again soon, and he would be open to selling it. Uh, selling it to the right person. Musk also revealed legacy blue checkmarks will finally be removed this week. Oh boy, people will seethe. Musk stated last month that eight that legacy verified Twitter users would see blue ticks removed from the service on April 1st unless they paid monthly fee of $8 to its Twitter blue subscription operation. As a result, thousands of the platform high-profile users were... Br- were braced to lose their ticks which can help uh, verify their identity and distinguish them from the imposters at least now it can back then originally it was to mark people who were well behaved but the legacy blue ticks have remained in place past the original deadline of April 1st
2: the blue ticks in theory all legacy
1: blue ticks gone, gone gone next week and this is and at that point You'll kind of work out whether this is going to sink or swim. Yes. What's your What's your hunch? I mean, you've obviously. I think it's going to swim. Yeah. Yeah, it'll swim just fine. Okay. What are you looking for in terms of in terms of a revenue stream on that? What are your goals? Well, I, I don't know if it's like necessarily a giant revenue stream. Um, you know, because even if you have, if you have sort of a million uh, people that are subscribed for let's say hundred dollars a year ish, that's a uh, hundred million dollars. Um blue sex.
0: Okay, moving on. Uh Muskrat, get over yourself. You just aren't that important. Everything you touch fails. Uh Katie Cat, cope and seed, bitch. You are factually inaccurate. And I bet you drive a fucking Tesla. Uh what a man, too. There are certainly a lot of jealous people across the world who like to criticize successful people and companies. Absolutely. And Atomic Funk, a Putin apologist being interviewed by another Putin apologist. I don't believe a word, Musk says. Now, you're a fucking shill and you're probably vaccinated, but when it comes to China and the Neuralink stuff and the transhumanist viewpoints, there's a lot of questioning Elon Musk over, and yet you've mentioned none. Moving on. That being said, I'm actually going to wrap this episode of Inside Four Walls up here. I'm going to try and record one more episode and get it up before I go to bed. Maybe I'll record more later on today. Well, I definitely will record more later on today. But I have been up since, mid, uh, since about 11 p.m. recording. It is now 8.26 a.m. So I'm getting pretty tired. So that being said, I'm going to let you all go. I've been here, host, James Madison. This has been Inside Four Walls, and I'll catch you all later. Peace. So the
3: headline here so far is that before Elon Musk bought it, Twitter wasn't so much a social media site as a honey trap operated by global intelligence agencies, including our own. One of the very first things Elon Musk did was fire all the spies who worked at Twitter. Then he fired a lot of other people, too, including the entire PR department, the HR department, and a lot of other useless baggage who weren't helping the company do anything worth doing. And what happened next? We asked him.
1: Meant a shrinking pie, obviously, for uh, most uh, of the traditional media companies, um, and made them more desperate to uh, get uh, clicks, get get you know, get attention, um, and uh, it's made them when, when you know when they're ha- when they're in sort of a desperate state, they will then tend to really push uh, headlines that get the most clicks, whether those headlines are accurate or not. Um, so it's resulted in my view. I think probably, I think most people would agree uh, a, a less truthful less accurate news um, so uh, Because they, they just got to get a rise out of people um, and uh, I think it's also increased the negativity of the news because yeah. uh, I think we humans instinctually uh, respond more to the neg- I think we have an instinctual negative bias uh, which Which kind of makes sense in that like uh if if, um like let's say uh like it's more important to remember where where was the lion or where was the tribe that wants to kill my tribe than where is the bush with berries yes like one's like a permanent negative outcome and the other is like well i might go hungry (laughs) so meaning, meaning like there's an asymmetry in um sort of involved asymmetry in negative versus positive stuff um, and, and and also historically the negative stuff would have been quite proximate like it would have been near represented a real danger to you as a person um, if you heard negative news you, you because historically you know like a few hundred years ago we, we're not hearing about what negative things are happening on the other side of the world or, or on the other side of the country we're only we're hearing about negative things in our village um, things that could actually have a a, a bad effect on you. Whereas now we're hearing about... I mean, the news very often seems to attempt to uh, answer the question, what is the worst thing that happened on Earth today? (laughs) And you wonder why you're sad after reading that, you know? Do you read any legacy media outlets? I I mean, I really get most of my news from Twitter at this point. It it is the number one news news source, I think, uh, in the world at this point.
3: What percentage of your staff did you fire at Twitter?
1: One of the great business stories of the (laughs) year. Mm-hmm. I think we're about we're about twenty uh, percent of uh, the original size. Uh, so eighty percent left. Uh, yes. So uh, I mean, a lot of people voluntarily.
3: Sure, sure. It, sure. But but it's eighty percent are gone from the day you took That's, that's correct. Yes. So how do you run the company with only twenty percent of the staff?
1: Uh, it turns out uh, you don't need uh, all that many people to run Twitter.
3: But eighty percent? That's a lot.
1: Um, yes. Uh, over. I mean, if you're, if you're not trying to run some sort of uh, Glorified activist organization, uh, with with uh, and you don't care that much about censorship, then uh, you can really let go of a lot of people. Turns out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> how many others, without naming names, but how many? I had dinner with somebody who runs a big company recently. Who said, "I'm really inspired by Elon." And I said, "The free speech stuff." He goes, "No, the firing <laughs> the staff stuff." Yeah. Um, how many? How many other CEOs have come to you? Um, to talk about
1: this? I, I spend a lot of time at work, uh, so it's not so like I'm meeting with lots of people. They see what I, what actions I've taken, um, and um, but I, I think we just had a situation at Twitter where it was uh, absurdly overstaffed, you know? So it wasn't, uh, you know, like, you, you look and say, like, what does it really take to operate Twitter? Um, you know, most of what we're talking about here is a, a group text uh, service at scale. Um, like. How many people are really needed for that you know um and if you look at the you say like uh what has been the product development uh over time with Twitter, and you like so like you know years versus product improvements and it's like a pretty flat line, so what are they doing you know uh it took a year to add an edit button that doesn't work most of the time i mean this is I feel like there's a comedy situation here, you know um You're not making cars, you know, uh, it's very difficult to make cars um, or get rockets to orbit. Mm -hmm. So um, You know the real question is like how did it get so absurdly overstaffed Uh, this is insane Um, so Anyway, that's and it's clearly working Um, In fact, I think it's working better than ever. It's about we've increased the uh responsiveness of the system by in some cases over 80%. We're trying to make make Twitter the most trusted place on the Internet, the least untrustworthy place on the Internet. I don't think anyone should trust the Internet, but, but maybe we can make Twitter the least untrustworthy. Like I said, try to get uh, the, the truth to the people um, as, as best we can.
3: When Elon Musk took over Twitter, the company had something called a human rights team. There was no measurable increase in human rights around the world. In fact, Twitter was doing its best to crush human rights, starting with the most basic, which is the right to say what you really think. Elon Musk in his spare time runs the world's biggest rocket company. Couldn't resist asking him if he ever sees anything out there in space that's not human. So we did. Subscribe to the Fox News YouTube channel to catch our nightly opens stories that are changing the world and changing your life. From Tucker Carlson tonight.